Welcome to Business Buzz. This is your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Another beautiful day in Chico. Real glad to be here. It's the middle of tax season. I'm working very hard to make sure everybody gets the lowest possible legal tax. That's the way I like to put it. So far this year, like I've said before, 2018 is looking very good as far as the taxes looking to be lower than 2017 for, oh, probably 90% of my clients, maybe 95%. I have a particular challenge coming up in the next few days. One of my larger clients, I just got the information in yesterday, and these this family, it's actually a retired couple with a lot of rental income. Their income is around $700,000, and there's so many new twists to the new tax law that I haven't actually done one of these tax returns with high income uh, yet. It's only March 6th today. So I'm really looking forward to working on this particular tax return because I'm going to, number one, cement in for me all the things I've learned about the new law and see how it actually works in the real-world example of this particular type of high-income client. And that way I'll be able to advise my other high-income people real soon because as time goes by, if there's opportunities for lower tax in 2018, it could have something to do with shifting income from the individual side to a business side. And that's one of the main things I want to make sure I have uh, under my belt for this conversion things during 2018, because the longer you wait, in other words, if you wait till November to incorporate a client, maybe he's lost out on uh, $10,000 of tax savings between now and October because you didn't talk to him till then. So that's really something that I'm excited about. This whole new law is great for a tax guy like me because Every 30 years, I get to learn some new angles, some new things to do, and it's really been kind of fun, and it's also fun when I'm able to see my clients mostly all getting a lower tax liability next year and putting two or $300 in their pocket. These aren't really wealthy clients. These are just kind of average income type clients, and it's uh, really been a good thing. I'm not political about this. Uh, it happens to be a Republican tax law. It did happen a little faster than I thought it would. But it is sort of the only legislation so far that's been major passed by the new administration and the new Congress since last November, November of 16. So as far as I'm concerned, it's bound to help our economy, but that all remains to be seen. So I don't want to assume that I know what I'm talking about there until the future actually unfolds. Another topic I want to bring up today, I'm just going to give you a little tiny glimpse of this. I'm not going to go into it in too much detail because it's in the planning stage, but I am going to have a seminar on the tentative date right now is April 24th. It's a Wednesday, and it's going to be from 6 to 9 p.m. The, it's going to be in Chico. The location is to be announced. I think I've got the place lined up, but I'm going to look into the details. And the subject of this three-hour intensive information seminar is going to be cryptocurrencies. I have, as you know, I've put my foot in the water on that, and I had a lot of success right off the bat. It's not easy, but there is, I see, a lot of opportunity. I'm not a financial planner. I'm just telling you what I've done. I think there's a lot of interest in people to learn about what this whole thing is about cryptocurrencies, how to get into it, which ones to work on, which ones to start, uh, how much money to invest, all those kind of questions. It's really an interesting topic, and I have an expert that's going to be the main speaker. We have a uh, planning to make it a dinner, and we're also planning to make it a charity event where we're going to have a percentage of the proceeds uh, go to a worthy local charity. And so everything's in the planning stage, but I wanted to let you know right now that if you could tentatively keep an eye out on April 24th from 6 to 9. I'll give you more details as the time goes by between now and then, but that we're putting it together now, and I hope within a week or so we'll have it all pretty much finalized and ready for you to get registered for a real exciting local business seminar all about cryptocurrencies and how to get involved. My guest today in the studio is a, a friend of mine from a few years back now. She's a local author. I met her through my uh, author's meetup group, which is called Chico Writers Mastermind Group. If you're 
If you're a writer and you're interested in looking that up, you can go to meetup.com and search for Chico Writers Mastermind, and you'll see our little group. But my guest is Sherry Jones, and she's here. We're going to talk about the business of writing. We're also going to talk about some local business that's near and dear to her. Uh, she's forming a nonprofit corporation, and I'm going to let her talk all about that. So how are you doing today, Sherry? Good afternoon, Harold. Nice to I'm- see you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. It's uh, such a warm day. I was surprised that I yeah, I thought it was going to be another day of winter, and here we are with uh, turning the air on in the car. Now, you have been, uh, you're an author, and uh, I know because I've heard, I've heard reading from you during our meetings and things. Uh, what got you interested in being a writer? I've been writing short stories since I was a little kid. i doesn't mean I've really gotten any better at it, but I love it. It's just, it's what I love to do. Now, did you find yourself doing that like in the privacy of your own room? You just decided to write sometimes or did it start from a school class or where did the, where did it start for you? And for me, I think it started in elementary school. My best friend and I would write little TV series, what we called TV series, and we would write a short story and draw little pictures with them and make our own little homemade movies that way. And it started there. Wow. That's pretty cool. So now you actually uh, promote and sell. You have a book actually on Amazon for sale. Yes, I do. It's a short romance story called One Night. And it goes under my author name, Paige Gibson. Right. That's P-A-I-G-E Gibson. Yes. And uh, you so tell us a little bit about One Night. Can you give a little bit of a lead-up without giving away anything? Oh, sure. It is a romance story with low angst. Sort of uh, young young people romance, middle-aged people. I didn't really put an age in the story because I wanted anybody to be able to read the story and feel like it was them. Oh, Everybody, when at some point in time in your life, you have something heartbreak that comes through, and the story, instead of focusing on the heartbreak, it focuses on pulling yourself up afterwards and the fact that you can still find love in what a positive thing that can be. Wow. Well, that's a pretty good idea as an author to not list an age of someone and keep it universal. That's a good, that's a good trick. Not a trick, but... It's a good method. I think I do that in a lot of my stories. I want anybody who's reading it to feel like they can be part of it or they can be one of the characters. Right. Yeah. That's great. So now it's one thing to write the book and it's then to get it in the format to be an ebook and to be sold on Amazon and all that. Mm-hmm. What's it all about trying to get people to look at the book, buy the book, read the book? How do you go about that? That's the hard part, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we talk about, probably not often enough, in our writers group is ways to promote the book. I mean, you can write the greatest book on the face of the earth, but if people don't know it exists, then how's anybody going to know that they should buy it and read it? So trying to come up with ways to promote and market, that's one of the things we always talk about. And I don't know that any of us have perfected how to do that. I know I haven't. Right. (laughs) I know you do some blog posting and you you keep up that way like Twitter. I know you you use your Twitter account for that. Absolutely. Social media is king right now, and that's what I try and use. I have an author Facebook page, Paige Gibson, on Facebook. And you'll recognize me by my little avatar, um, and the Twitter account, and the blog, page1books.com. Page1books.com, P-A-I-G-E-1, the number one, books.com. Yes. Great. So, and uh, now are you currently, I know you're currently working on some books because I see you at the club now and then. Do you have anything in the hopper right now that's going to be out at some point soon, do you think, or still working on it? I have first drafts of tons of books, but the closest things to actually being published are kids' books. I'm kind of switching my genre and what I'm doing because I want to focus more on my children's charity. And so I've written a few 
kids' books. Oh, great. Yep. Now, I wanted to talk to you about that children's charity. Uh, we're going to be coming up on a break in another minute or so. You are actually involved with a brand-new local charity, and it is called Fostering Hope for Youth. Yes. And this is your brainchild. Yes. It has been a love of mine for, oh gosh, over 30 years to want to do something to help the children who are part of the foster system. Now, and you personally have experience as you were a foster parent? Yes. I was a foster mom for a couple of years. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. So I know firsthand, I mean, not firsthand from my experiences as a child, but firsthand from seeing these children, what they go through. Right. And yeah. so and so you realize that you have an opportunity here as a local person that's interested that you can actually make a difference with the local foster school situation, foster child situation. and Oh, absolutely. And the great thing is everybody can make a difference. Absolutely. Right. I've seen those commercials where they say that everybody can help, so... Yeah, absolutely. And right. it, you don't have to be a foster parent to help. Um, there's many ways that people can help, and that'll be one of the things that we can talk about later. Right, right. So now this uh, this is going to involve... Uh, now, the, one of the things about charities that is always important is they need volunteers and they need donations. Is that right? Absolutely, And yes. so you're, you're working on that part of it also. Yeah, and the nice thing is that I've already run into several loving people who, as soon as I shared the idea, they were immediately on board, wanting to help, wanting to help raise money, wanting to help to work with me to help these kids because they also see the need for the help for these children. Right. And now, so being a foster parent, uh, you actually, what, what kind of a, what kind of an agreement goes with that? Don't they do, I mean, is there all kinds of paperwork and things if, if somebody was interested in helping in that regard? Oh, and being a foster parent? Yeah. Just... Yes. So I mean, there is a process. The first thing I tell people if they're interested in doing it, one, you can't do it for the money because we all know the cost to really take care of a child is a lot. Right. Um, you have to do it because you want to make a difference in these kids' lives, and that means you have to be loving and you have to be patient and that makes all the difference to these kids. And then from there, you go through, I suggest, calling your local foster agencies and interviewing the directors. See what it is that they do, how they help the foster families help these kids, and what is it that they provide for the kids to help them in their transition and what they're going through. Right. And then, of course, foster children can be any age. Is there any age minimum or maximum? Oh, it's... From newborn to 18. And yep. you can also request what type of age or the age range for the kids that are going to fit best in your home. Right. Now, what about, could there be older kids than that if they were like uh, handicapped children or special needs with disabilities? Yeah, I think that's a whole other area. I know one of the changes that's going through the system right now is they're trying to extend the time that the kids can be in a home, because not every child is ready to be out on their own when they're 18. And so if you have an 18-year-old who hopefully graduates high school, you can't just kick them out because they need the tools and resources to get ready. And that's one of the ways that the system has failed these kids is because that's what happens. You have kids who age out without the knowledge and without the resources to take care of themselves, and they end up homeless or in jail. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. I know it's really a serious thing. Now, as far as when you have Butte County foster children, are they always necessarily from Butte County homes? I mean, they would. I mean, you wouldn't have children coming from other areas to up here, or could you? Is that possible? Do you know? It's probably possible if in another county an agency is not able, or if they run out of homes and they don't have a home with enough beds to um, take in more children, then you might look into local counties. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but they, they, they do try and keep it in the same county. Right. And so uh, your idea to have a, a charity that helps them, how did that come about? I mean, you've been wanting to do it for a long time. What made you finally decide to go ahead and do it? Is it just 
at this time in your life, you're kind of ready to dig into this thing? Right. Well, the thing with the foster children started a long time ago. I was working at my children's store, and it was a dark and stormy night. (laughs) And this mother drags in three little ones, and they don't have coats, nothing. And I'm just wondering what on earth you're doing. We'll be right back after this break to talk more with Sherry Jones, and stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hi, this is James McDonald, Bible teacher on Walk in the Word. You know, every day we receive emails and letters from listeners just like you, men and women who have been impacted by Christian radio. I got to ask you, have you taken the time to call your radio station lately? Whatever you're doing right now, just stop and pick up the phone. Your station needs to hear from you and know that you're standing with them. I can guarantee that your words of encouragement and financial support will strengthen this station long after your call's been made. Powell Roofing Incorporated reminds drivers, texting while driving is a leading cause of traffic accidents and fatalities, so put the phone down when driving. The LOLs can wait, and the life you save, it may just be your own. This message courtesy of Powell Roofing, your complete roofing contractors, serving Butte County and surrounding areas with great prices and a reputation for honesty and integrity. Call 530-354-5318. That's 530-354-5318. Powell Roofing, where the Powell family and staff are on the air because they care. Praise the Lord. I'm Sharon Knotts inviting you to join me and my dad, R.G. Hardy, on The Sound of Faith, mornings at 10, here on KKXX. If you are drawn to inspirational preaching, informative, in-depth teaching, and biblical perspectives to current issues under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then Sound of Faith is perfect for you, because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 10 o'clock weekday mornings here on KKXX, Chico's Christian Radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA here. Glad you're here listening. I really think we're going to learn a lot because this is a subject that I've, I've been interested in. One of the things I know as far as being a tax professional, the foster care income, like Sherry was saying, it it's not for the money. But as far as I know, and she can correct me a little later when we're talking about all this, but she might know more. But then again, it's been a while since you... You were a foster parent, is that right? Yes. But that yes. was quite a while back? Yes, about eight years ago. Oh, okay. And from what I know from the clients that I've seen that have done foster care, they received something like 1000 a month per child. Is that changed that you know of, or do you know? Oh, gosh, it wasn't nearly that much when I did it. It wasn't I, that much? Oh, okay. no. It was more, and it depends on the agency and also depends on the age of the child, but it was around $600. Oh, okay. Then yeah. the one that I worked with, it might have been more recent and maybe it was just a different agency or something? Could that be? Could be. It could also be the needs of the child. Right. Yeah. Children who are much more difficult to place, I, from what I recall from so long ago, they end up with more money because they have a lot more needs. More needs. Yes. Right. And yeah, yeah it's really, it's really <laughs> sad to think of kids who don't have a place to go. That's, you know, so there has to be some way to get people to do that. So I think that's really good. So what happens is then if let's just say i'm an, i'm just an individual and i don't i really i don't think i could be a foster parent mm-hmm. but i've seen the commercial where it says you can still help a foster child so other than straight i mean we know money donations would always be good but let's say i don't have any spare money how could i help a foster child would i be able to donate goods or clothing or something or oh Absolutely. So there are many ways um, through us or through the foster agencies where someone can help. Most of us are willing to take in clothing, toys, shoes, books, school supplies, and we will also be taking in small appliances, small furniture items, and all the smaller items. Everything is going to be available free to foster families to help cover the expense of all the items you need. Because right. as soon as you get a child in, you immediately have to go out and get two weeks worth of clothing and shoes and 
specifics for them. Right. Yes. Yeah, I know when my son got older and we ended up, ended up having like dresser drawers to donate and things like that, uh, I, I, would prob- I probably took those to places like the Ark. Mm-hmm. But foster places could really use furniture. Yeah. Yes. So that's one of the things that we're going to be doing is I would like to have a warehouse where we can have these. Oh, you can accept those kind of donations. That's what we're going to be doing. Absolutely. We're working on trying to get a warehouse or a large storage unit to put these things in and for helping the foster families. But also as the kids age out and they need to get into their own place, it's super expensive if you need a bed, because remember, these kids have nothing. So when they leave their foster home, all their things are there. So you go into a new home, they're going to need beds, they need linens, they need dishes, they need everything. And that's that's more than most kids can afford, let alone a kid who's leaving without anything. And so our idea is to be able to give them these things at no cost to help them, because we want to do anything we can to ensure their success. Now, the agency doesn't necessarily have that available. So if a foster child, when you say ages out, that's like they turn 18. What if they're not graduated from high school, but they turn 18? Do they stay till they graduate? Yeah, they can stay till they graduate high school. Right. Unfortunately, not all foster kids graduate high school. Right, because yeah. of the situation and they don't have enough guidance sometimes and yeah, but the agencies themselves don't have a plan where they offer furniture for people moving out on their own. This would be something, the, this is the kind of thing your charity could actually add to the picture. Absolutely, absolutely. To my knowledge, there is no one in Chico yet who is trying to supply these type of items for the children aging out of the system. Wow. Yeah, I can see where that need would be. Our whole system is based on you know, taking care of our children so that we have, you know, everybody moves up and moves on and gets employed and is a productive member of Butte County society. But with, and now are the foster kids these days, there's probably more foster children than there was five years ago. Is that probably the case or? Well, the numbers vary. Like right now, the numbers for all of America, and there are over 400,000 children in the foster system. When I was a foster parent, the number was over 500,000, and it can be upwards of 600,000 in every range. I mean, that's from newborn to 18. Right. So it just fluctuates with the population. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But there's always plenty of them that need help. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I mean, hundreds in Butte County alone. Hundreds. That's really really amazing that now, so, but as far as you know, nobody else has a private charity like you're working on and getting going here that is actually doing this as an adjunct to help the agencies. I mean, that's your goal. Right. Right. Yeah. So now let me just go over this again real quick to make sure the contacts here. The website is called fosteringhopeforyouth.com. And you also have a uh, GoFundMe page already. Yep, absolutely. Got to have those donations coming in so we can try and do what we can to help those kids. So far, I've covered all the cost of everything myself, Right. essentially putting everything on my credit cards. (laughs) But that's getting a little pricey. Um, So, yes, GoFundMe page up to try and help because we also have other expenses that are going to come up that we need to take care of. Now, for instance, the expense of finding a, number one, finding a warehouse, number two, staffing a warehouse, and number three, hopefully finding a landlord that isn't, you know, that can give you a bit of a break. Is that sort of the goal you would have there? Oh, yeah, that would be great. We can either go with a warehouse or a large storage unit, someplace where things can be stored, and a place where volunteers can go meet up with the families or the youth to try and pick out things that they need. You know, I was thinking you could even, you could even see if there's... I mean, with all the storage unit places, maybe they would be willing to donate a space. Maybe you get 10 of those to donate a space. Oh, yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've already tried to contact a couple of um, the local printing companies to see if anybody would be willing to, you know, do discounts for printing up some of the brochures and flyers that we need. 
Um, but so far, that's been a big no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, business is business. <laughs> a- absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I can tell you personally that I do offer discounts to nonprofits. And, oh, excellent! And I, I will have, be using your services. Right, there's a there's um there's a form that every year the nonprofit has to fill out. Now. The good news about that is they've changed these laws in the last 10 or 15 years. And until your total income of the nonprofit hits, I believe that they keep changing it, but I believe the cutoff now, and this is a really great thing, up to $50,000 of donations in, mm-hmm. you no longer have to fill out the big 10-page form called a 990, which is the annual form for a nonprofit. If your revenue, I believe, and don't quote me, but it's either fifty or twenty-five thousand. Until your revenue hits that level, all you do is file a postcard with the IRS that says, "Here's my address. Here's where I'm at, and I have less than twenty-five thousand of income." Oh, I, that's good so and that, bad. I like how easy that is, but I also hope we make more than fifty grand. Right, that's the thing. <laughs> but you never know; the first year you might not. So, oh, you know. absolutely. And right. so that'll save money. But my point about my own services is that, like for instance, there's a downtown uh, nonprofit that I work with, and they asked me to help, but it costs me actual money out of my pocket, which I'm okay with. But I do have to charge them something. But I cut it way down. So I, I charge about a fourth of what I would charge a regular business because that form, even though that might not be that complicated of a bookkeeping system, that particular form is one of the harder ones to fill out as far as a, like, versus a corporate tax income t- return. Mm-hmm. The nonprofit one is actually more work for me than a, than a business one. Well, thank goodness you're here. Well, it just <laughs> it's the way the IRS designs this stuff. And, you know, when you think about it, it's true because... If they didn't keep nonprofits on the straight and narrow, you'd have a lot of abuse and it wouldn't be good. Absolutely, like everything else, right? We're, we're coming up on that middle of the hour break. We'll be right back with Business Buzz with Sherry Jones. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hi, this is James McDonald, and you know, I don't have to tell you that it's a tough economy these days. More and more Christian radio stations are buckling under the financial pressure of staying on the air. That's why Walk in the Word is inviting you to contact your radio station and support the good work that they do getting out the Word of God. They need you more than they ever have before. Why don't you call them today with your gift and support? From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. Parents in Hamilton County, Ohio, have been forced by a court to give up their parental rights and surrender custody of their daughter because they would not allow her to be administered hormone treatments to transition to a male. The child sued her parents and won. Well, the judge actually called for legislation that would allow children to transition without their parents' approval. Look, Ohio does not allow a child to get a tattoo without their parents' permission. But now, their courts will allow children to hormonally alter themselves without parental consent. Pacific Justice Institute deems this a dangerous violation of parental rights. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Yes. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm here with Sherry Jones, and she has an amazing new charity getting off the ground called Fostering Hope for Youth, and it's going to help the foster agencies 
through donations. Uh, I'm sure you'll have fundraisers, the whole bit. Oh, that's the goal. And, of course, we're going to be looking for volunteers to help with that. Well, I've already got myself lined up for that one. All right. Well, thank you. I'm an amateur DJ. (laughs) I've got all the equipment. All right. You won't have to pay anyone for the dance music. (laughs) All right. We're going to count on it. Now, as far as this GoFundMe, I'm interested in that because I do have some success stories from some clients of mine, and it's a really good thing. And I think there's all there are also people who are experts at helping you do that. Are you trying this on your own, or have you consulted with anyone? Trying this on my own. I had no idea there were experts mm. out there to help. Maybe I need to try and find them. Well, I actually worked with a woman who's based in Southern California, but she is like a consultant for these, what do you call these? Um, there's a word for that whole world of GoFundMe and Kickstarter, and I can't remember right. the name. Um, the platforms? Yeah, the, oh gosh, it's what the is name it? of that platform. It's a type platform. of platform yeah. where yeah. you can I, I get extra co- income. Yeah. Right, I just call it the GoFundMe. But it was interesting because um, the pageant theater did one of these back when it first started. Oh, I and didn't know that. they were going to like, I mean, I don't know the exact details, don't quote me. And they're not a direct client of mine, but um, basically they were not going to make it if they didn't get a new digital projector to replace their old worn-out projector. And the interesting thing about it was, and this is all, I didn't do the books for the actual pageant, so I don't know the real details, but they asked for 50000 and they got eighty. Oh, that's great. And the interesting thing tax-wise is when you received GoFundMe, that's another thing. If you're a nonprofit, it's not mm. taxable. If you're not, it is. And the interesting thing there was they received all this money right before the end of the year, mm. but if they didn't spend it right away, they would have had to pay tax on it. Oh. So they had to get those projectors going right away, which they did. So it worked out fine. But uh, it's a real great avenue for like a charity like yours. So I think that's really smart. Now, uh, Okay, we were talking about how an individual can help. Now, one thing about that, I could help by donating money. I could donate some things instead of going to Salvation Army every time. I could give to you guys. I could also, well, I mean, if I had the capability and the space and everything, I could could actually apply to be a foster parent, but that's a huge commitment. And uh, at my age, I don't think I'm quite ready to start that type of project. But the thing I noticed about uh, this whole idea is what I could do as a business person, I particularly, like I say, I could help you with the actual tax forms for your nonprofit at a discount. Uh, We talked about the fact that a storage place could donate storage space or a landlord with warehouses could donate or give discounted space there. What other businesses have you started looking at? You looked at the printers. So far, no luck. But uh... Right. Well, one of the other ways that businesses can help, um, if, it, if their business has to do with something for kids, um, for example, the Chico Creek Nature Center, right. they have a summer day camp. They offer um, scholarships, what they call scholarships. Um, some people might term it as sponsoring, where a child can go in for free instead of having to pay because of hardships. So any type of business that offers something for kids can offer a scholarship, essentially letting a child um, participate in their program at no cost. That's a great way to let that child have an experience that other kids get that they may not normally be able to get. Right, like the summer camp that costs few hundred dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so many of the foster kids, just a little example, don't um, experience the things that most kids do. I had a teenage girl in my home for a while who had never been to a baseball game. And I'm just like, okay, how is it you live in America and you've never been to a baseball game? I mean, America is synonymous with baseball, baseball America. She'd never been to a game. I'm like, okay, we need to resolve that. So of course we went to a baseball game. So Local teams, that could be something that they could do is have free tickets for foster families so the kids can go experience something that other kids do. Right. It's sort of an endless possibilities 
list on this stuff, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. businesses, if they wanted, if it wasn't kid-specific, they could um, have internships for teenagers or right after they graduate high school. Say there was a student who was great with numbers and maybe he was thinking about being an accountant. Maybe he could come and work with you. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> put you, put you under the nose right here. I can always use a couple, a new pair of hands. <laughs> um, and maybe just give them an internship to see whether it's something that they they would right. even like to do, or and it would give them learning vi- opportunity. Even just to visit local businesses and have like a meeting and say, here's what this is all about. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They need help finding their path. It's interesting because I just saw, a, a, I was talking with a client that I saw today, and I've known her for probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 years. And she is a former teacher. She's retired. And she was saying that she thinks, because we were kind of talking about politics and crazy stuff and she was saying that instead of going to junior high it should be like a two-year internship where the kids go out and learn things all about work and you know what they might want to do so that by the time they get into high school they have a little more real world knowledge instead of just you know textbooks 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 for another two years Right. Well, I do believe there are other countries that by the time they're in high school, they do something similar. You can go take a trade school. And so instead of three or four years of high school, you get put into a trade school and you learn your trade. Right. And then you probably have a really good job when you get out of that trade school. Yeah, absolutely. That way it helps you. So you're set up for life instead of struggling, trying to figure out what am I going to do? Yeah, it still amazes me how even in today's high school, my son graduated from high school seven years ago, and it's amazing to me how little real-world education there really is. Oh, absolutely. It's it's books. It's the teachers talking, and my kids will tell you they were bored all the time in school because right. they're not being... Right. It's not that to say that they're not being entertained, but... Nothing seemed applicable to them. And sometimes they aren't challenged. If you have the top, you know, if you've got a child who's really done his homework and really put out the effort. Or is very intelligent, absolutely. Then he's kind of the, um, you know, common denominator. They can be slowed down a little bit. I know there's new schools for these charter schools seem to be trying to address that with schools for different styles, but. It sounds like if you had this foster help going, you could actually get young people involved in outside things like that to expand their horizons. Well, one of the things that we're hoping to do is have some type of service set up where we're meeting with the teens as they're getting closer to going out and helping them come up with a life plan to manage what they want to do, how to do it, and really figure out their life and help get them on the right track and tell them what their resources are so that they have the best chance of success. Right. And yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. So, uh, now as you, as you go along here, I'm just trying to figure out how are you personally, are, do you ever think about combining your, uh, writing life with the foster kids life? I mean, is that something you've thought about or? Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So on our website, I also have a blog. So I'll be blogging, writing about parenting, children's books, foster kids, um, everything as it pertains to children. At some point in time will be a blog post and also writing children's books. Oh, that's right. Yep. Children's books. One of the things we want to do, we have a series that's sketched out. I actually have a couple of local artist friends who are wonderful women who are um, doing the artwork for free for these books because the sales of these books, the money is all going to go to the charity. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. So that's another way people can help. And so the series, does it have a theme yet? I mean, have you put that all together? Well, I have several different books. Some of the books are um, written, they were inspired by the foster children who were in my home. And so it was a story written, inspired by that child. So some of them are very different, very unique. And then I do have some where 
it'll actually be a series with one main character. I have a character, Pickle Pete, who was actually named after my middle child. That was his, <laughs> nix- his nickname because his name isn't even Pete. But right. And just it was always cute. You know, it was Pickle Pete or Sweet Pete. So he's a character in the story. And it's he's preschool age. So a lot of the stories are going to have to do with being in preschool and learning and things that little kids go through. Right. It's kind of like uh, when you look at a society, it's sort of like if you see how they treat the lowest part of the ladder, that's kind of a measure of the society. And if in our society we don't treat foster kids well, they're, I mean, a young child without a family has got to be the lowest level right now. I can't think of any worse situation. Right, absolutely. And those are the ones who need it the most. They need the most love. They need the most patience. One of the things we want to do also is put together a free preschool for these kids. And it's just going to be for children in the foster system only because their needs are a little different. They need people who are very patient, very calm, very understanding that these kids may not even know how to sit at a table to eat. They may not know how to use a fork to eat. I mean, these kids, their basic essence to survive was, where do I get my food? And so now you have to take these kids and try and help teach them what all the other kids know so that they're not falling so far behind academically. Now, I'm just thinking this idea has so much of a use, and I'm sure it's going to have a lot of response as far as people who want to help. I'm wondering if there's other places like this or if this is something that you could actually, if you did get everything rolling here in Chico and Butte County, this could be replicated in other counties. That would be awesome. I would love to see that. Um, As far as I know, when I've done research online, I think I've only found two other places. We can talk about those later. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Everything in the epistles points backward to Jesus. That's why I encourage people to read the words of Jesus every day. This is where emotional and spiritual health come from. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, where do you read his commandments? But in the Gospels. Now, I know that it's easy to get a little confused when jumping between one Gospel and the next, which is why I wrote the Merged Gospels. It's where all four Gospels are literally translated from the Greek, broken down word by word, and merged back together into one beautiful chronological story with not one word of scripture removed. You can't buy it in stores. It's available only online at mergedgospels.com. It's great for new believers, for personal devotions, and for group studies. There's also an audiobook. And as always, you get to name the price. Just go to mergedgospels.com. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn CPA. By the way, it's tax season. If you need any help at all, I'm available for a free initial consultation. I will say that between now and April 15th, that consultation will probably need to be over the telephone. But if you have pressing needs, I'll definitely find time to meet with you. My number is 895-3353. My address is 1208 Mangrove Avenue. I'm right next door to Jiffy Lube. There's a new tax law coming. If you take advantage of it, you might be able to put some extra money in your pocket. So feel free to call me. Now, we're talking with Sherry Jones, who is a local author and the uh, chairman of the Fostering Help, I'm sorry, Fostering Hope for Youth um, nonprofit, which 
is really an amazing thing because the foster children, let's talk a little bit about all the things that they don't have. I mean, they don't even have the proper clothes sometimes to go to school if it's a winter rainy day. Is that true? Absolutely. And that's what I started to share with you earlier. The What really got me hooked on helping these children in my baby store in the middle of winter, and this woman comes in with these three little children, no shoes on, no coats. They're wearing shorts and T-shirts, and they're just drenched. And I immediately just get into the mom. I'm like, what are you doing bringing those kids out in this weather? And she's like, well, they're not my kids. I just picked them up from the foster agency. She's like, will you help us? And she walks over to the counter where I'm standing and sits this little one down. She's 18 months old, doesn't know how to walk because she'd been so neglected. Someone didn't even love her enough to help. And she's skinny and scrawny and bony. And she crawls across the counter and puts her arms up and just looks at me and just wanting to be held, wanting to be loved. And me, I was a total stranger. And if you know anything about kids, they don't do that. So for this little girl to ask a total stranger to love her and hold her, I just cried. And that was it. And that's when I knew this is my purpose. This is my passion. This is why God put me here. Now, when you say your baby store, did you work for one or did you own one? I owned one. Oh, yes. Where was that at? On Fifth and Mangrove years ago. Oh. Yeah. Fifth and Mangrove is where uh, the Kentucky Fried, no, no. Uh, Fifth and Mangrove, there's a gas station. Gas station and a graphic store, which right. used to be. It, I remember yes, that. Yes. I remember that. Used to be the bargain baby yeah, years that ago. That was your store? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And uh, so you owned the bargain baby. Now, was that used, new, or both? We started out, everything was just used, but we grew to be so busy and needed more things. So we ended up with one room that was used, pre-owned, and the other room that was new. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, there also used to be that baby store that was near the Safeway, um, where the Heel and Soul Shoes is now. <gasps> right. What was that place called? I can't even remember. Souls? So I might have been Soul. I think Souls. All I remember is it, it was, was, it was, it expensive. was really expensive. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> but it was beautiful. They that, had nice stuff. When my son was born, that's where I brought my parents so they could buy some gifts for the new grandchild. Nice, <laughs> smart, smart. I, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> That's oh yeah, so S A L Z, wasn't it? I Souls, think so. Something like that. Sounds like that. Yeah. yeah. So you were the bargain baby. Yes. Well, you know, my office has been on Mangrove for almost thirty. I've been there almost thirty years now. So. Yeah, I've, I passed I've, by your place many a time. That's right. And so now, how long ago did you not have bargain babies? Is that about ten years? Oh gosh, let's see. Because the I graphics correlate... place has been there a while. Right. So I believe I sold it when my daughter was a year. So it would have been seventeen years ago. Oh okay. Yeah. You probably, a year, so you had too many things going on at home to continue running a business, it sounds like. Yeah, it's really difficult to work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And I always brought my little ones to work with me because I didn't, I mean, I love kids. For me, when you have kids, it's your responsibility. I didn't have kids to have someone else raise my kids, but that's just my personal philosophy. Everybody has their own way of parenting. So since I own my own store, I was fortunate enough to be able to bring my babies to work with me. Wow, that's lucky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My son used to come down to the office once in a while, and it was kind of fun. We we put him in one of those those things that hang from the the little um, Johnny jumpers. Yeah, the jumper yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Those are great times and great memories for kids. Yeah, they yeah. enjoy it. And a lot of my clients now they ask about my son, and he's twenty four years old now, and they always say, "Well, I remember when he was a little baby." Right. It was fun to bring him down there. So that was pretty nice. And my wife used to work for me too, and that. That worked out pretty well. And the whole topic of, I mean, I I always try to never, I don't judge and I don't really get involved like that. But to be honest, I think if, you, if you're going to start, and this is a, a Christian radio station and all that, I really think young couples, if they both have to work a lot, they really might think twice about maybe wait a little while to have some children. But I mean, I'm who am I to judge, you know? But I just feel like kids need parents with them. Right. Absolutely. It, it Having a latchkey child isn't really beneficial for the child. But I totally understand at some point in time, life happens, things change, and you have to do what you have to do. But right. people have resources. I always encourage people to look out and figure out who your support system is, who your resources are, because 
somewhere you're going to find someone who can help you. I always think back to my friend Randy, because I grew up in a typical suburban neighborhood. And good old Randy, we were always jealous of him because his mom had a night job, so she slept all day. And I think it was a single mom. And, you know, in a weird way, a kid of 14 is jealous when somebody doesn't have parents to watch him. <laughs> and now, as time goes by, even though Randy had a great personality and my mom just loved him, thought he was great, it turned out he was the burglar of the neighborhood when one of our houses got robbed. Oh, no. And one day, my friend Bob, who lived a door or two down from Randy, said, oh, did you hear about, this is in high school, we're going to the bus, and he says, you hear about Randy? I said, no. He said, he died at the beach <gasps> over the weekend smoking oh. smoking PCP, and he oh. laid in the tide water and died. Oh, that's awful. And, you know, I'm not saying that the reason this guy went bad is because he didn't have parents, but this kid had the personality, he had the looks, he had the girlfriends. There was no excuse for this kid to be so messed up. But it just seems a little odd that he had no parenting. Right. At least for his second half of his short life. Right. And as a teen, you need a parent and you need those boundaries just as much as you do when you're two. Right. And now that I have a son who's 24, I found out exactly how right my mom was when she said, someday you'll understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like, you know, call me when you're going to be home late and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's nothing worse than not knowing where your child is. Right. And not getting a contact when you're supposed to. And back in the old days, we didn't have cell phones. And now I realize what my parents went through when I stayed out till 4 a.m. and didn't call them. And I would think it was stupid when she was sitting up waiting. Right. Yeah. Now I know what it feels like. Absolutely. Yeah. Parents or children don't realize how much we worry about them. That's because of how much we care about them. Right. And And so when you look at a foster child situation, they don't even have a parent to help them. And so they rely on things like the foster agencies and now people like your charity to actually care and give them some help. Yeah. Wanting them to know that, you know, there are people out there who are willing to help them, who want to help them. They need to know that someone's going to have their back. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, that's another thing I think I've, I've been clearing out my office just to, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I don't never discuss age on this show, but I'm getting older to the point where I don't care about all my stuff. So I'm really decluttering and I have, and I got to find out where I stacked it, but I did come across like a bunch of binder paper that I'm not going to be using anymore. So that's a perfect thing that I could donate to the to your place or a foster agency, and the kids would get binder paper right off the bat. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yep, yep. Because we're going to be looking for craft supplies, school type supplies. One for the preschool when we have that open, and the other is for school supplies for the kids. There's another relationship to this with the new tax law that's interesting. Okay. Uh, teachers have for a long time been able to write off things they buy for their students when the school can't afford it, like supplies and whatever they need. Now, the first $250, I think, is still allowed as a deduction. But the entire section of the tax return that included what's called employee business expenses has been eliminated in the new 2018 tax law. Now, at the same time, they've increased the standard deduction, so some people might not really be hurt too much. But the idea that if you're an employee, you can no longer write off expenses like that is a little strange. And theoretically, there could be teachers who spend a lot of money on supplies based on the fact that they would be saving 30 or 40% of that in a tax deduction. But now that's not available. So... I mean, that could be even worse for the school's classroom supply situation. Right. Absolutely. I mean, for years, my children, I put them in a charter school because for us, it seemed to be a better fit and it seemed to offer my children a better education. But for years, I've heard so many people say and talked to so many teachers who said the schools didn't have the money they needed to offer all the supplies for the kids. And a lot of kids don't have parents who either think about the supplies and things they need or don't have the money. And a lot of foster kids don't. And 
they go to school, they don't have anything. They don't have pencils. They don't have backpacks. They don't have binders. They don't have paper. All those things are useful. All those things help a child. It's one less thing for them to have to worry about. Right. Now, I know how bad it is to not have a pen. I actually ran to a meeting today between appointments, and I got there, and I didn't have my business cards, and I didn't have a pen, and it was really lame. An accountant <laughs> without a pen. <laughs> it's like a writer without a pen. That's right. And a student without a pen, that's really bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, let me, now the other thing is these days, here's what I always feel bad about if you have like a foster child mm-hmm. or a child from a family that has no real resources, but what do you think these kids feel when it's standard that all the kids have iPhones and smartphones, but these foster kids probably can't even afford a flip phone? Doesn't that kind of wear on their self-esteem sometimes, even though it shouldn't. I mean, you know, you aren't what you have, but isn't that hurtful sometimes to the kids? Right, absolutely. And I think some of the kids in the foster system, that's something that's going to bother them. Also, the way kids dress, if they're not able to wear the same styles and fashions and new clothes that their peers are. But a lot of times, I mean, I've read stories where kids can't even pay attention in class because they're more concerned about if there's food at home to eat or if they're going to get moved to another foster home. I mean, some kids get moved five times in a year and they can't think about anything else. And it's those type of things that help hurt their education. Right. So, yeah, they, yeah, they, they can't even keep their mind on the subject even if they want to. Absolutely. The other thing I thought about is if they're in a foster home, I know the foster parents have been all checked out and vetted and all that, but what if they they probably don't even get their own room as far as room to set up a desk and do their homework? I mean... Well, there are certain regulations for being a foster parent. So as a foster parent, you you can have two kids to a room, but that's no more. Only two kids. They have to be the same gender. Right. Um, And every child needs to have their own space. They have their own bed. They have their own dresser drawer space. They have their own part of the closet. They have their own... Uh, shelf space or toy box space, that's theirs. Those are things that you have to provide for the kids, right. which shouldn't be any big deal. It should be things that every kid has anyway. That would be pretty much you would expect and understand that that's got to be that way. Absolutely. But yeah, it's just really, really sad that sad that there's that. How many kids do you think are in the local area? Oh, uh, hundreds. Hundreds? Hundreds, absolutely. And, and they- I do know that... All foster agencies are always looking to take in and add new foster homes. They always need just loving, caring parents. So I encourage any parents out there, if you have room in your home, if you have room in your heart, talk it over with your family about bringing in a child into your home and letting them have a good positive experience. I mean, even if a child is only with you for three months before they get moved, you make a huge difference and they remember that three months that you're, that they're with you. Now, how did you come about having a foster child? Did you call and say, I would like to do this? Or did somebody, did somebody show you a child that needed help or? I decided I wanted to be a foster mom. I called the local foster agencies and actually interviewed the directors to see who I liked, who I thought I would be a good fit for, who I thought would be able to help me in whatever needs might arise in my home, and went from there. All right. Well, I like somebody who walks the walk and talks the talk at the same time. So thanks, Sherry. It was great to hear about all your new exciting things. We're going to help that nonprofit out. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. See me next time on Business Buzz. KKXX Paradise K280GL
Chico. And K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is slapping tariffs on steel and aluminum imports, but offering relief to some U.S. allies. The president formally announced that new tariffs will take effect in 15 days. We will have a 25% tariff on foreign steel and a 10% tariff on foreign aluminum. However, he's making an exception for Canada and Mexico. And we're going to hold off the tariff on those two countries to see whether or not we're able to make the deal on NAFTA. The president said the tariffs are a matter of necessity for economic and national security. Greg Clugston, the White House. Well, House Speaker Paul Ryan says across-the-board tariffs on steel and aluminum imports will hurt businesses that use them in their manufacturing process. My preference and my hope is that at the end of the day, we can make this more targeted and surgical so that we can focus on a legitimate problem, dumping and unfair trade practices which are taking jobs without having this kind of collateral damage. In the midst of one of the most deadly flu seasons in recent memory, experts are looking at new ways to develop more effective vaccines. The traditional egg-based vaccines had only limited success against this year's strain because they take long to develop and they can't react quickly to mutations. The move to more effective cell-based vaccines will be very expensive, but the National Institutes of Health's Dr. Anthony Fauci warns... We've got to go there. We 